The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one, Scott Reid is here, CTV political commentator, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin, Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, and Jerry Agar is an advisor to millions every morning from 9 to noon right here on News Talk 1010. Okay, well, let's start with Mike Schreiner because we'll go with the recent stuff. And he was on with us a short time ago. I'll say, and I'm looking forward to your reflections, I'm first of all, I was surprised that he agreed to do it because I think by even admitting he's going to think about it, He's damaging his brand, but uh, here he is. First time I saw the letter was on Sunday morning, and uh, that's precisely why it's taking me some time to say to people, I need time to think about it. I need time to consult with people, and I really want to hear from people. Like you know, this is a this was a pretty unique overture uh, and a real kind of extraordinary way of saying let's think about doing politics differently, and that's exactly why I want to consult with people on it. Jerry, I look at this and I see it as a lose-lose situation. I think his own party's going to hate him and the liberals are going to say, who the hell do you think you are? I know we've been dating a long time and I was seriously considering marrying you, but have you seen Cynthia? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I heard there. Like, I, I think he has damaged his reputation. I mean, I've made the perhaps cutting remark, and you played it earlier on the air, but not for him, where I said one of the reasons that people like him is that, he, you know, he's not of that much consequence politically, but he's not called upon to be of much consequence politically other than he has to serve his constituency as their local representative in Queen's Park and help them with speed bumps in their life and that kind of stuff, which is what an elected representative primarily is there to do. Uh, but but for him to, to not immediately say, I, I've, I've spent my life in the Green Party. This is what I do. It is what I believe in. I didn't ask for this, and I, I'm not accepting it. And that's it. Then that's the Mike Schreiner I thought I knew. But no, it's kind of LeBron James loved Cleveland, and well, until. Miami came along. Yeah, I'm, Deb, one of the things I was saying to uh, Benzie was Mike Schreiner, and you could hear it in, in that conversation, is kind of stripping away what we like about Mike Schreiner. Oh, completely. And I'll tell you, I actually spit my coffee out listening to him say we're going to do politics differently. Are you kidding me? This is as old as it gets in politics. It's called political opportunism. And that's what he's doing. This is not doing politics differently. This is same old, same old. And to your point, that is really against what I think uh, Mike Schreiner had built up credibly. Uh, because it is who I thought he was as his brand. So this is bad news for the Green Party. It's bad news for Mike Schreiner. It may be excellent news for the Liberal Party in the long haul. I don't know. Uh, don't pretend to know their internal politics, but it doesn't strike me as a very favorable thing to have happened to them. Yeah, although Scott Reed, for me, uh, for the Liberals anyway, this would kind of be if I found out that they were out looking for the next morning man. I, I wouldn't feel that great about it. Yeah, it's... Look, this is like nine kinds of dumb. It's dumb for Mike Schreiner. It's dumb for the Liberal Party. It's dumb for the Green Party. Uh, it's dumb for Ontario. It's just terrible. And That's I, only I just, four. Yeah, well, I could keep going. I, maybe I will. I want to really highlight something. I want to underline something that Deb just said, because I think it's vitally important. Right? I want to make this point. I like Mike Schreiner. I, I, and particularly, the things I liked about Schreiner is that he's kind of the little engine that could politician. Seems like a decent, hardworking guy. Um, but that was all true of the Mike Schreiner who was pluckily attempting to make the Green Party relevant in Ontario. A guy who then says, with a straight face, I'm going to do politics differently by maybe swooping in and taking this. That tells you right there that he's got less game than the advocates of Mike Schreiner say he has. That is a tone deaf 
dumb political thing to say. I just, it, it drives me crazy. A party wants to rebuild, wants to regenerate itself. You do it from within. You give your next generation room. He doesn't help us win in 416. He doesn't help us win in the 905. He's not from either of those places. Is he the next generation? No. Is he young? No. Is he a person of color? Brings in a whole other demographic? No. I like Mike Schreiner, but for God's sake, he's not Harry Styles. Let's get real. Are you mad at your party for doing this? Yeah, well, it's not the party, right? It's Greg Severin gang. And, you know, Greg Severa a year and a half ago was advocating that the Liberal Party and the Ontario NDP merge. So, I mean, as I joked yesterday, this guy's a bad idea machine. Let's pull his cord out of the wall. <laughs> okay. We can bundle two topics together here. One of them is Toronto's going to be hiring 50 private security guards for the TTC. But then I also sent out a column this morning by Adrian Humphreys, uh, which reads in part, the city knows what's happening. Toronto police chief, the mayor, transit bosses all sense it. They see it rumbling on a gray horizon. It's fear, broad public fear, not only the possibly irrational, but maybe rational anxiety about personal safety in public spaces. Uh, Deb, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, are you, if, if that is the case, are you feeling any safer that there's going to be 50 private security guards in addition to the 80 cops? So something's better than nothing, John, is sort of my attitude on this, because any of the long-term solutions, which all, in my view, involve mental health, are just that, long-term solutions. And we need action, like, yesterday. So again, something's better than nothing for me. I do believe additional policing is a component of what needs to happen to clean things up. We are on the wrong trajectory. Are we Gotham City? No. But are we heading that way? Very, very quickly. I mean, I can't even believe what's happened since the beginning of 2023 in this city. It's, it's, it is scary. And I, I just, uh, you know, I guess throw everything at the wall and see if what sticks is the short-term solution, but we've ought to be putting our eye on the long-term solution. You know, I'm very sad that Rudy Giuliani seemed to have lost everything that was good about him, in my view, but we need uh, a, a more sane, older version of Rudy Giuliani in terms of our actions. So whether that comes from the province, whether that comes from the feds, whether that comes from Mayor Tory's office, we've got to start thinking differently. And we also have to say to the many uh, homeless advocates and mental health advocates, it's not working. Throwing more money at the problem isn't going to do it. We need to actually think outside the box here and get tough on people. Although one would have to say, Scott Reed, that if one is a comic book fan, there would be an upside to living in Gotham City, wouldn't there? Uh, no, it's riddled with crime, and uh, even the presence of the Batman, you know, arguably just draws the lunatics, which, I mean, listen, if Toronto's Gotham, Rudy Giuliani would be the Joker, not the commissioner. <laughs> I, I, uh, I said the old um, Giuliani, Scott, the uh, old one. I'm not with you on the old Giuliani. I think I we am. have the real Giuliani, um, and I don't like the broken windows approach to policing. I think, you know, it sounds good, but doesn't actually work. Look, I, I, I'm going to go in a different direction. I, I, I hate, like, post-media, oh, is it Gotham, you know, breathlessness, go back to the firing journalists and closing newsrooms post media that's what you're good at um my view is that there is uh, uh there are there are cracks appearing in the ceiling all over the place and and i think it comes down to this the way in which we treat municipal governments in in this country it is out of whack with reality in terms of the orders of government revenues, the way in which they're treated, the sustainability of their financing. Then on top of that, you have the unique issue that is Toronto. So in almost virtually every area, homelessness, mental health, transit, transit operations, much less transit safety, 
Um, you know, Toronto is a place where 100,000 people a year come to when they come to Canada. Toronto has unique challenges of over, over and above all of those. There needs to be a new deal with Toronto between federal and provincial governments. There needs to be a sustained transfer of major resources. Yes, there needs to be all sorts of controls on that. Yes, there needs to be a debate about where those programs go. But right now, the fundamental problems that we are having that show up on transit safety and so many other places are because we have a mismatch between what Toronto was asked to do and what Toronto can do, and it's got to be straightened out. What do we make of this latest development where apparently if you get into a cab and you give them an address in what some people might consider to be a dodgy neighborhood, they ask for a payment up front because the presumption is you're going to try and hoof it without paying. Um, Jerry, just one more reason why I don't use cabs much anymore. You know, I I wouldn't blame Uber drivers in the same situation, although they've got your credit card uh, with Uber and you kind of have prepaid. But I think the only people who have to go to uh, what they consider an unsafe uh, environment uh, because of their job are first responders. After that, if uh, if a cab driver or an Uber driver or anybody, a pizza delivery guy, doesn't want to go to a certain neighborhood, they don't want to go to a certain neighborhood and, you know, go back to what we were talking about a moment ago. I get where they're coming from. Yeah, but I think this is more about fare dodging than it is about a cabbie being afraid of a neighborhood. Well, uh, maybe, but what's the problem with paying up front anyway? That's what we do with Uber. Yeah, well, Scott That's what I do with pizza. It's one of the many things I like about Uber is there's not that complicated back and forth at the end of the ride. You say, thanks a lot, good night. Yeah, uh, the taxi company shouldn't allow this. Um, If... if if this is becoming an issue, uh, then make everything prepay. And that won't be such a strange adjustment because of the existence of Uber and Lyft and so forth. We're actually more or less used to that. There are lots of people that have to go into those neighborhoods, quote unquote. How about the people who live there? And, you know, so uh, like from my perspective, I don't want Beck Taxi determining what is a safe and decent neighborhood and what is not. I don't want the drivers determining that. I think that, you know, it should be a universal rule. If that's a, if they feel that the challenge is that fundamental, then do it across the board. Should be prepayment for every, just like gas pumps are now by and large, right? And do it across the board. But don't say, you know what, we've got a map here that was drawn by, you know, uh, Stu, the cab driver, and he says that your neighborhood is no good. I don't like that. The hybrid parliament is here to stay. Um, cabinet ministers will be required to be there, but MPs can work remotely. Deb Hutton, when we talked earlier this morning with Tim Hudak, he was waxing romantic about houses of assembly. Having watched them, me not so much. Oh, I, I don't like this one bit. I think this is terrible. Like the honor and the privilege and the importance of what should be an elected official's job, what should be their role in our democracy, surely can mean they can get their butts to Ottawa. It's part of the job. You, When you run, whether you run in, in the far east of the country or the far west or the far north of the country, you know that part of your life should be that you're in Ottawa a good chunk of time. And yes, it's a sacrifice, but the notion that you don't have to show up in Ottawa to get things done is just, uh, it's wrong, and it completely undermines how so much of the actual work gets done. Because we all know question period and some of the drama we see is not how actual work gets done. I hate this. I can't believe everybody's saying okay to it, including the Conservative Party. I, I don't like it at all. It's just, it's it's anti-democratic in my view. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the government telling a number of their employees that they have to come to work? Yeah. Okay, well then lead by example. Like if you really truly believe in this, stop telling your employees to come to work. 
I don't know, Scott Reed, I feel there's sort of an old-fashioned fussiness involved here, and I can be accused of occasionally being old-fashioned, but I also and think... And fussy. Yes. Uh, I think about, you know, like a BC MP who could stay home and do community work and then check into Parliament for that hour required and do it remotely without getting on a plane. First of all, you are old-fashioned and fussy. You're the Royal Dalton of radio hosts, so let's just be honest about that. Um, I would say two things. One, yeah, the federal service is being encouraged to go back, but actually there's lots of examples of hybrid happening at the in terms of the federal service so it isn't i I don't think this is less an example of hypocrisy um my general view is that if you can be there you should be there um uh, like most workplaces there's a lot lost by not having not not being present for the interaction and the engagement i think that's even more pronounced in 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 politics and that particular role but you know i think we have to be flexible and realistic and you know it's been a long time challenge for a lot of mps who are from say yukon northern bc so forth so i think we gotta i i I think we have to show some flexibility but it should still be the default that you're there not there Thank you all. Good to have you. Lively discussion this morning. Everybody very passionate about the topic. Scott Reed, Jerry Agar, Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.